Greetings and welcome back to another and ongoing series of Shir Mandaf. My name is Yitzchak at Shalom. We're on Kiddushin Daf Lamed Zayin. I'm about right in the middle of a discussion about which things qualify as mitzvot atliyot ba'aretz. And, um, and we are now at Vahashta Da'amart, about two-thirds of the way down. Now that you say that anything that's a personal chiyuv applies in Eretzisrael, so earlier we saw Rabbi Kiva's parry against Rabbi Shmuel based on the fact that the Torah says, you, and mentions Moshavot, your settlements, in the context of Shabbat. So why does it mention it? The answer is, it's since Shabbat is also mentioned in the context of Moadot, I would think that Shabbat needs to have the same sort of Kiddush Beitin as the Moadot need. Therefore, the Torah says, meaning that it's independent of the Beitin and it operates every seven days. Kamashvalan. Alright. So now that we're going to say that every time it says Moshav, that doesn't mean only Eretz Yisrael. And the things that are Chavad Aguf apply everywhere, which we end up having to say, then why does it say Moshav everywhere that it does say it? So why does it say it in the context of the Isur of Chel of Adam, the, which I, is Pasuk number two on the page? Since the Isur of Chel of Adam is mentioned in the context of Korbanot, as if to say, that Chel of Adam that goes on his Bech, you may not eat, I would think Korban, only when there's Korban. Bizman Deleka Korban, lo. And roughly translated, that would mean when there's no Beit HaMikdash, but you could also say even at night, or on times when Arban's not being brought, um, there's no Isur. But either way, it would be tied in, not only thematically, but mechanically, with uh, Korbanot, Kamash found that it's not. Moshevot. Why does the Torah say, The answer is, so, I might think that Kometzah only applies when there's a Korban Pesach. Kamash Vlan, and by the way, we do that on Moror. So, therefore, it says, you eat Matzah, Bechomos Votechem. Why does the Torah say, when it, uh, Hashem brings you the land, you bring the Petr Chamor and you put on Tefillin? Right. Rishmuel sort of homiletically reads, the Torah says, Hashem will bring you to the land, and do this, meaning do these mitzvot, so that Hashem will bring you to the land. So, according to, evidently Rabbi Akiva, who says the word who says the word Moshav just means wherever you live and it applies everywhere. In Yeshua Perakeh, says that Bnei Yisrael ate from the fruit of the land the day after the Pesach. And we understand the fruit of the land, Avur Haaretz, like a look at the Radak there, evidently means the old grain. And the next day they didn't meet Tuat because they had already, now were able to eat Chadash. But the point of that is that the Isur of Chadash applied immediately even before they had conquered and settled. Why? They must have brought the Korban Omer and then eaten the new grains. Because the Easter of Chadash applied immediately and not, not, didn't wait until after they conquered. According to uh, Rabbi Shmuel, who says that Moshav means after you conquer and settle the land, why don't, why, that means Chadash didn't apply right, Chadash didn't apply right away. Why didn't they eat the new grains right away before the court, right away before the court? The answer is, they didn't need to. 
They didn't eat, they didn't avoid it for Isra, they didn't need to. Why? The penultimate pasuk in Perak Tetzayin, in the story of the man, back in Shemot, records an anachronism, which is to say that Bnei Israel ate the man for 40 years until they came to the settled land, they came to the edge of Canaan. Now, those two phrases are contradictory. The reason I call it anachronism is because in the context of Parsha Peshalach, they should have been coming into the land in a few months, not in 40 years. All right, but of course the Torah is completed in our vote Moab. You can't say, you can't fully read that they ate the man until they came to the, until they came to the settled land, which means after conquest, because it says till the edge of Eretz Canaan, which is on the east bank. In other words, the two tug against each other. Moshe died on the seventh of Adar, and we'll confirm that in a few minutes from Sukim. The man stopped already a month earlier when when Moshe died. They had enough man in their in their vessels to last until the sixteenth of Nisan, and so it doesn't say that the man stopped falling. Then it says they stopped eating the man. Then. Right, so you understand that they didn't need the man. So according to the man Dharma that says Chadash wasn't wasn't in force yet, the reason they didn't eat the new grain is because they still left over man. Is it true that they ate for forty years? After all, they began the man man began falling on the fifteenth of ER, and so they ate the man for forty years minus a month, roughly. That the matzot that they took out of Mitzrayim tasted like man. So effectively ate the taste of man for exactly 40 years. Alright, good. Now we're going to go back to the issue of how we know Moshe Rabbeinu died on the 7th of Adar. How do we know that he died on the 7th? This is at the end of Varim. They mourned for him for 30 days. So whatever date he died, kick ahead 30 days. The beginning of Sefer Yoshua. It's after the death of Moshe. Hashem speaks to Yoshua. And the assumption underneath this, underlying the sugya, is that Hashem does not speak during times of mourning. So that could only be after the 30 days. Moshe died. You get up and take the people. And Yeshua's first command, which we assume was given the same day, was to tell people to prepare food for the road because in three days they're going to cross the Yardin. The only date that we get in this whole picture is they crossed the Yardin on the 10th of of the first month. So now, that means that the Yeshua was given the command on the 7th of the first month, which means 30 days earlier, Moshe died, which is 7th of Adar. How do I know that he was born on the 7th? Moshe says, I'm 120 years today, the day he's going to die. There's no reason to say Hayom. Just say I'm 120. To show you that Moshe was exactly 120 on that day, and to teach you also not only Moshe, also not only Moshe, in the context of of all the tzaddikim, Hakadosh Baruch Hu completes their years day to day, so that they live full lives. 
In Shemot Chavimol, you will not have an Akara, Meshakila, and I will fill your days. Fill your days. Civil Pshad is, you'll have a long life. But the drush on it is, you'll have an exact life of an exact years. Alright, so if he was, if he died on Shiva, Shiva Badar, which we just established by the Psukim and the, and the gaps, therefore he also was born in Shiva Badar. Alright, Tanya Rashim and Yechayomer. Back to the halachic portion. Shalosh Mitzvot Insta Yisrael Bichatam Laaretz. There's three mitzvot that they were commanded to do when they came in. But even though they're land-based, they apply everywhere. And it makes sense they should, because after a chadash, which he's reading like Rabbalozer, applies everywhere. That's not an isur forever. Every year on the 16th of Nisan, it disappears. You're allowed to get hana from chadash. Not only that, but if you have some chadash, come 16th of Nisan, that particular chadash becomes mutter. Which is not the same as the first criterion. The first criterion is that the isur is not a permanent isur. The second one is if this particular piece was harvested before the omer, you just hold on to it; it becomes mutar. Nonetheless, knowing my bars ben it applies everywhere. So kilayim shisuran isur olam. If you plant uh, wheat in your vineyard, the results of that are prohibited forever. And there's no way to make that particular fruit mutter. Certainly it should apply everywhere. Two out of those three apply to Orla. Which one doesn't apply to Orla? That is, because after three years, it becomes, the fruit becomes mutar. Or should we say it's, um, uh, right, it's not Isur Olam. Once something's been picked as Orla, it's also. But, the Isur of Orla doesn't last forever on that particular tree. Now, that's Rabbi Shimon Yichai. Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon, in other words, his son, Omer, any mitzvah B'nei Yisrael commanded before they came into the land, Nohege bin Baritz ben Mechutzlar, it supplies everywhere. Lachar K'nisatan La'aretz, any mitzvah that they were commanded to do when they came into the land, Eina Nohege Nalavaretz, those are two mitzvot that they're commanded to do when they come into the land, but they apply everywhere, to cancel debts in Shemitah, and to send slaves free at Yovel. So by the way, that phrase, they were commanded um, before, after they came into the land, doesn't mean when they were given the command, because it was all before they came into the land. question is, were they, was the phrasing of it associated with when you come into the land or not? Now, let's take a look at Hashvatak Safim. That's what we'll do for the, to the end of this podcast. Now, Hashvatak Safim, Gufi. Why are you mentioning Hashvatak Safim? That's a personal obligation. It has nothing to do with land. So, it's based on, it's, it's responding to the issue that Rebbe raised, which if you recall back in the fourth parak of Gittin, we used Rebbe Shita to explain Hillel's Takon of Prusbal. Shamot. Why does the word Shemitah and Shemot come together? To tell you, the Torah speaks about two Shemitot. Hachat Shemitat Karka, letting the land rest. Hachat Shemitat Safim, canceling debts. So what's the time? Mizman Shatam Shemit Karka, Tam Shemit Safim. Whenever you uh, uh, don't have, don't work the land in any context, where you don't work the land on the seventh year, you do not uh, cancel debts. You cancel debts. But any time that you're not doing that, which means any time period during which Shemitah will not be in force, according to many we've shown him right after the Chorban until recently, or Bizman Azad, 
then there is no mitzvah So therefore, even though it is not a land-based mitzvah, it may be tied in with a land-based mitzvah, and therefore you have to say that it still applies in chutzlarts. So take it further and say, really, against the debt cancellation only applies in the land. In the place where you do Shemitah Karka, you do you do Safim. In a place you don't Shemitah Karka, you don't cancel debts. You cancel the debt because we have called out a Shemitah to Hashem, meaning... When that, when the, the debt cancellation has to happen at, at, in any place. So what's the tie-in? The tie-in is epoch. How, epoch, meaning a period, time period. However, because that is sitting there as a havamina, he had to come into Rebbe Lezor Shimon, had to come and say, nonetheless, Shemitah Ksafim, Ksafim does apply even in Chutzlart. So we'll hold at this point, and in the next podcast, pick up at the analysis of Shiluach Havadim, and go further to the end of this particular sugya of mitzvot tatliot barats. Everyone should have a wonderful day.